You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Friday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with your boy Q. I'm Locked On Steelers, he's Locked On Raiders, and it is the Friday edition here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, and the app Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. Remember to rate us five stars with a positive comment. All that stuff helps us out. Q, how you been this week, man? Man, always good, always good. Another week in the books. That means it's another week closer to training camp, which means another week closer to preseason, which means ultimately another week closer to the regular season. The NFL will be here before we know it, man. I get excited each and every week that I get to close out the week with you strong here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. So, yeah, man, happy to be here, and uh, I'm sure you had a good week as well. A lot of moving and shaking going on with, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday, right? Yeah, there certainly was. I mean, the the, the Locked On Steelers podcast is a buzzing right now. So, <laughs> uh, the 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 big move, of course, the Steelers offensive line, David DeCastro, six time Pro Bowl guard for the, I think he's three time uh, first team All Pro, gets released by the team, and then hours later they signed five time Pro Bowl card uh, guard uh, Trey Turner, uh, formerly of the Chargers and the Panthers, and trust me. Pittsburgh has just like throw flipped upside down with a you know losing a guy that they've had for nine seasons and bringing in this new guy. Everyone's wondering what the heck is going on. Yeah, what was that? I mean, in your opinion, as a guy who covers the Steelers like a glove, what was the biggest reason for the move? Was it simply cutting costs? Was it DeCastro's getting a little bit older? Was it a change in the philosophy? Because there's a lot of reasons why, as a guy who covers the Raiders and the offensive line has really gone through a, a big-time makeover this offseason as well, there's a lot of different reasons why you change things up. What do you think was the biggest reason for the releasing of DeCastro and the bringing in of Turner? The big reason is injuries. Okay. Uh, it, it, they had just built up on DeCastro. He's 31 this year. Um and last year, he suffered an ankle injury to start the season. And then as the season went on, he had like a, a knee injury and then a chest injury. Okay. And it just kept, they just kept on building up. And now we understand that he's going to need a third ankle surgery. Um, and they're not sure how long it'll take him to recover. And he's on the last year of his contract. And he's the most expensive offensive player on the roster uh, behind Ben Roethlisberger. And so they were like, we, we can't afford to just have this guy sitting around, you know, for, for months when he's taken up a whole bunch of cap space. So they talked to him. I, I honestly, I fully, I know a lot of people are talking, there's like, I had some Eagles fans on, uh, on my Twitter account when I was posting the stories for DKPittsburghSports.com about this. And uh, I saw Eagles fans saying like, Ooh, come here, go to sign with the Eagles. And I'm like, I don't think DeCastro's going to be signing anywhere because he, I can tell you last year, like he openly said that football was not fun for him at that point. Ooh, he was like, there's, yeah. there's, there's supposed to be fans out here and we're not playing in front of fans. And he was just, he wasn't digging the COVID process. Uh, and this is a guy who's been a class act. He's been a warrior for the Steelers. He's been an enforcer. You know, when Vontez Perfect was taking, you know, took out Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Antonio Brown on the same season. DeCastro was a guy who, who could always rise up and, and put him in his place. 
Uh, he's been that for the Steelers for such a long time. And that's the thing, you know, the, the Steelers players, they were all like really like, you know, they were you know putting the sad emojis and memes out on, on Twitter. Uh, the Steelers organization put a lot of respectful posts out about David DeCastro. This was not a, an ill will situation. I think it was just a, you know what? He hadn't participated in OTAs. He didn't, he was standing in uh, regular clothes all through mini camp. There was a, I think they were waiting to see if they could get a second opinion to see if his ankle didn't need surgery, but it doesn't look like that's the case. So uh, now he's going to be, you know, he's go- he's either going to have to sign with a new team or he might be retiring soon. Well, I mean, it's simple as that. When you said injuries, that's all I needed to know. We talk about uh, ability and availability, and your best ability is availability. And if he's not available, it's simple as that. So Trey Turner, and and this is the thing, and and I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this could be, you know, the last dance for Big Ben. And so they want to go ahead and give him an opportunity, right, to to go out on top and and possibly give him the best opportunity to take the Steelers as deep as they can go, even even as far as the Super Bowl, if – you know, if, if all the cards uh, play out the way they want to, but you've got to have all the parts in place, including the healthy offensive line. So that really does make a lot of sense. And Trey Turner is younger and he's more athletic and he's, well, obviously healthier. Yeah, that's the thing is that Trey Turner is a five-time Pro Bowl guard, whereas DeCastro is a six-time Pro Bowl right. guard. And, you know, he, he was sitting there. He, he was injured at the start of last season, but then he bounced back. Didn't have his best season, but he was able to, you know, be competitive for the Chargers. But the fact of the matter was he was an expensive player when right. – Right. They got a young quarterback, and the, the you know when the cap was low, they had to make tough decisions, and he was on the outs, and uh, you know he's still sitting there in free agency. The Steelers are like, hey, we'll get that guy. That'll be a, that'll be a, a, a quick replacement. Um, but yeah, the thing is, Q, is that the Steelers' offensive line for most of the last decade was the same. You had Marquise Pouncey at center. You had David DeCastro at guard. You had Ramon Foster at the other guard. You had Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle. And then for a while, you had Marcus Gilbert at right tackle, but that that rotated a bit. But for the most part, you had four offensive linemen together for the better of like six, seven years. That's not common in the NFL. The offensive line often is one of the more interchangeable groups that you find. And in a matter of two seasons, all those guys are gone. Right. Ramon Foster retired in 2019. Marquise Pouncey retired after the 2020 season. Alejandro Villanueva was allowed to explore free agency. He's now a Baltimore Raven. And now David DeCastro has been released. So now this offensive line is going to have a whole bunch of guys who the most starts by anyone on the on the line is by Chikuma Okor for a fourth a fourth year offensive tackle who's switching to left tackle this year from playing right tackle. So there's a lot of question marks. Signing a Trey Turner gives them a you know a better chance at one of those guys going from a question mark to an exclamation point for the team. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, the Steelers are doing everything that they can. But uh, that was some big news. I know when that came down my timeline on Twitter, I thought, whoa. But now that you've breaking it down and broken it down, it makes a lot more sense on why the Steelers went with those moves that they did and, and trying to put their best foot forward and, of course, trying to get the best folks out there on that offensive line. The thing about it is, and, and you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, an offensive line, man, you've got to be – in one accord, all five guys have yes. got to know what the next guy is going to do. So they've got to be able to put this thing together. And luckily, they're only, you know, they're replacing a couple parts. But at least, you know, it, it's they're doing it early enough where they can stay on the same page and get on the same page in training camp. So by the time the regular season comes around, they could be ready to rock and roll. And like I said, be on the same page. Because if they ain't on the same page, that offensive line is not going to work. Right. And, and that's something that they're they're going to have to get to get off soon now. All their, linemen, all their presumed starters on the offensive line are in their 20s. 
and they have a new offensive line coach and Adrian Clem, who has basically has, has told them our goal is to run through people's faces. Uh, whereas the Steelers last year, they were more passive. They were more focused on pass protection uh, to keep Ben safe and also to kind of keep their older guys healthy. They're throwing that to the wind this year, Q. Q. They're going to they're gonna be they're going to be going out here looking to bully people off the line and open up holes for Najee Harris. Yeah, Kevin Dotson, the second year guard that's that's coming in, he had a really strong year last year. They're expecting him, rookie Kendrick Green at center. Um, they're expecting those those two guys and now Trey Turner to kind of lead that enforcer charge. We'll see if Zach Banner, returning starting right tackle from last year, who got hurt, who he was knocked out early in the season, um, but. They're going to see if these guys can gel together. But, you know, the Steelers, they're a team. The last time they won a Super Bowl, you know, that that the group that the offensive line they had then is still said to be the worst offensive line to ever win a Super Bowl uh, in the history of the NFL. Um, and so they, they're not they're not they're not. It's not that they're not used to winning that way, but they do want this offensive line to gel. We'll see how quickly they can gel if they do this season. Another news point here, Q, that we got to do before we toss it to break um, is the NFL has approved for alternate color helmets in 2022. Not that this is like some like huge, huge deal, right? But there's a lot of people excited because they want, they always want to see new designs, yeah. and new colors and flavors around the league. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is for a guy like you who covers the Steelers and me who covers the Raiders, I'm very comfortable with the, the the looks of the Raiders and the Steelers right now. It's just kind of the 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 clean look, the you know, it, it's kind of what we're all used it's old to. School. Exactly. It is old school, it's clean, and it's simple. You know, and, and a lot of teams like the, the uh, Seahawks and other teams, they get all creative and get all kind of fancy uniforms and all kind of that's great for them, and I'm not mad at them. Do what you do. I just kind of like the old school, clean, simple look. The Steelers are, are the the uh, epitome of that, and so are the uh, the Raiders. So I don't think it's a big deal for any of those type teams. Uh, you know, another team would be like the Cowboys. They they I mean they got alternate jerseys and everything, but they're still pretty simple. You know, old school flavor. So I, I just think that some of these teams out there will benefit from these alternate helmets beginning in 2022. But you know, for some of the historic teams across the league, don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, as long as it's not the Packers with those brown helmets that they used to wear. That was that was the dumbest co- alternate color I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, I get that you try to go for the leatherhead look, but ugh, that stuff was disgusting. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So that that that's gonna be interesting to see how that goes in 2022. But we're gonna cut to a break. When we come back, we've been doing our team previews on the Locked On NFL podcast all this week, and we will continue all the way into training camp today. We're going to preview Q's Raiders. So we're going to break that down in the next segment. But first, we've got to talk to our friends at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sporting action. Baseball's going on in a major way. NBA, NHL, even though my Vegas Golden Knights lost and they're out. UFC, MMA, all that's going on. You can get on betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, the sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Get off the sidelines. Get into the game. Teams are on playoff runs right now. NBA action, NHL action. You could be on a playoff run as well. Again, go to the website using your mobile device or your laptop. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that simple. You got to use the promo code locked on, though. So it's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. That'll get you 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number two and part one of our preview of the Raiders is coming up here on the Locked On NFL podcast. You are Locked On NFL. 
your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, and Chris Carter here with your boy Q on the Friday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Q, let's talk about your Raiders, man. <laughs> How did I get let's- so lucky? How did I get so lucky that on a Friday, I mean, I guess I know why. Because everyone realizes they're only one nation, so let's go ahead and talk about it, which is... Listen, man. Hey, I'm just saying. the Raider region wants to hear about how their team is. Because, again, you don't have a nation. You got got a city here, a city there. They're probably going to move from Las Vegas in another five to eight years. They're probably going to move to, like... Like, you know, I don't know, Montana or, or Idaho. Man, or you can't even spell city. Montana. You don't you can't spell Montana. <laughs> you don't even know where it's located at, man. Let's let's get to the preview of the Raiders, man. Go on, kill that let, noise. Let's, <laughs> big Scott country, man. Uh but uh no, nah, but let's let's but let's talk some Raiders yeah. for real. Now, the first thing I wanted to go over was the quarterback situation because Derek Carr has had such an interesting career. Starting off hot, everyone being excited for him. The year where he was looking like he could be NFL MVP, then he gets hurt, then he falls falls down, and then we're not sure what's going on. And then the one year where he was getting beat up really bad because his line couldn't protect him, and then they bring in Marcus Mariota, and now they're like, oh, is Marcus Mariota taking him? Where is Derek Carr's head right now? Is is he – is he is he confident that he's gonna be the guy and that he's gonna be able to 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 run this offense the way that he wants to, or is there a bit of a is there a bit of a power battle with the coach? I'll tell you right now, man. Everyone that is inside the bubble, as far as the Raiders are concerned, know that Derek Carr is the guy. Derek Carr knows the guy. He's not concerned. The only people that talk about Derek Carr not being the guy are the people on the outside. And, and I don't mean you. I just mean people that are, you know, on some national level that kind of want right. to hit something, hit, hit some clickbait at the end of June because, well, it's a slow time of news, a news cycle. But, uh, yeah, he's he's confidently the guy. Uh, he's gotten better every every year ever since uh, John Gruden's taken over back in, uh, in, in 2018. He's improved each and every year. Last year, one of the things I wanted him to do was run more, you know. And, of course, he's not going to be a guy you ever mis- you mistake for, like, a track star. He won't be in the summer right. Olympics or anything doing anything but he he can he's athletic enough to move you know and so for the longest after that injury like you mentioned in 2016 he really didn't do too much with his legs last year he made an effort to go out there and and keep plays alive with his legs move the pocket a little bit and he did a good job of it so yeah he's the guy no doubt about it I know Tom Brady came out the other day on that um you know undisputed type uh, barbershop event and said that some of the teams that he was looking at in free agency last year before he ultimately went to Tampa Bay he was looking at and and liked and everyone assumed that he was talking about the Raiders when they when he said you're gonna stick with that mother effer and uh yeah so I mean it was just it was what it was I don't I can't confirm that he was talking about the Raiders because he never came out and said that but of course that was a lot of outside noise conversation but uh Derek Carr is the dude he's the guy um and and the Raiders are gonna ride with him if you go back in the history of John Gruden he's never won with a rookie quarterback he's won with a veteran quarterback so that's who Derek Carr is that's his guy uh they're on the same page and I think that he's just got to take another step forward in year four with uh, Gruden and I think the biggest key to Carr's success this year is going to be protecting the ball in the pocket when it starts to break down and you start to get guys like a Cam Hayward start swiping at the ball because that's what they do they sack you but they also go for the ball if he could protect the ball a little bit better in the pocket he's good at not throwing interceptions protect that ball in the pocket, he'll be in a good position. 
It's funny that you about that Tom Brady thing because you say you say everyone thinks they're talking about the Raiders. I've heard about like eight different hosts of teams say, "Oh, they were definitely talking about us." Yeah, because if you don't got Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or someone lined up who's, who's the future of your team, you're assuming that that Tom Brady's right. talking about you, right? And that's what uh, that's what a good tease does, right? A good tease leaves yep. it out there so you don't know. But he could have been talking about the 49ers with Jimmy G. He could have been talking about the Chargers at the time that had Tyrod Taylor, not Bears knowing that Trubisky, yeah, Trubisky in Chicago. I mean, there's a lot of different places he could have been talking about. But I saw a lot of folks saying, "Oh, he was talking about the Raiders," including Raider fans who were all upset. Oh, you blew it again, Raiders. You could have had Tom Brady, but. I mean, until he comes out and says, yeah, I wanted to go to Vegas and they didn't pick me, then it is what it is. It is what it is. But one thing that Derek Carr does have for sure, I mean, he has a few things. He's going to have a serious amount of weapons to throw to. Yeah. First of all, you got Darren Wall. Yep. One of the, mo- one of the most explosive tight ends in football. Um, I, I don't think he's respected enough. Uh, they, I also like Foster Moreau as, as a depth tight end on the team. Yeah. But you're pairing that with really athletic wide receivers like Henry Ruggs. You know, Hunter Renfro, a good slot option. But you even even in the depth, you just got John Brown just sitting there as a speed demon. Zay yeah. Jones, who can go up and get it. Willie Sneed, who's a wily veteran to have, have on your roster. Um, and you got uh you know the uh you got my you got my pit guy over there, DJ Turner, <laughs> the undrafted rookie who could do some return and stuff. There's an interesting assortment of weapons in the receiving game. I haven't even gotten to Josh Jacobs yet. We'll get to him in just a second. But talk to me about the the like I guess your 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 standing of where these guys stand on the team, who kind of leads the team, not just necessarily as far as skill wise, but who's setting the tone in the locker room for like, hey, we gotta step up this year for Derek. Well, you know, I think it starts with Darren Waller. Uh, you mentioned him tied in, but I, I obviously he's like a wide receiver in the tight end's body. I mean, dude's incredible. I think he's one of the top three tight ends in the league. Severely underpaid. The Raiders, uh, they gave him a contract extension before he was really that guy. But I think it's Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. And I don't care what order you put him in, but those are the three best tight ends in the league, in my opinion. But either way, Darren Waller's going to set the tone. Uh, Henry Ruggs didn't have a very big rookie year. I think he comes back. Bigger and better. He's put on some muscle. He's now kind of had a taste of the NFL, so he knows what to expect. Um, you know, one guy you didn't mention that I'm excited about, but the, the problem is he's got to stay healthy, is Brian Edwards. You know, he was yeah. a rookie last year out of South Carolina. He's got a big body, and he's got really strong hands. But back in South Carolina, his biggest issue was staying healthy. So I think that if he could figure out how to stay healthy in the NFL, which is a tall task, it's not easy, I think he could be a factor. I really thought, and I think a lot of Raider Nation did as well, that the Raiders would be in on Julio Jones because I felt like if Julio Jones, they made that move for him, that could have he could have gone deep because he wanted a guy that could get the ball down the field, stretch the field, and then Henry Ruggs could do what he did at Alabama, which was work underneath, work in the middle, work in space, get the ball, and then go with that speed. I thought that that could open things up for him, but they didn't make a move for Julio Jones. So I'm assuming guys like you mentioned, uh, Smoke, Brown, you know, John Brown. Uh, I, I didn't think he was really a guy that was going to be a factor for the team, but everything Derek Carr has been saying is, hey, uh, I'm on the same page with him. And it kind of sounds similar to a year ago when he was on the same page with Nelson Aguilar. And mm-hmm. Nelly ended up having a huge year 
year and ended up going to New England by way of free agency. But uh, I think that that Smoke Brown could have a real good opportunity to be a player. But again, he's got to stay healthy. Willie Sneed, I like him as a veteran. We'll see what he does. But Henry Ruggs has got to step up, man. He's got to really be a bigger factor than he was his rookie year when he had 26 catches uh, on the season. I mean, you, you don't get drafted number 12 overall, first wide receiver off the board for 26 catches. You're, you're not you're not drafted to be a decoy. You're drafted to be a big-time player. So that'll be, in my opinion, the biggest factor. If he can get involved and be a big-time playmaker, this offense could be nasty. No, I, I agree. You got some, that's what I said. You got some interesting weapons yep. there. Um, but then in the backfield, you got two guys that just jump off the charts. First, of, of course, you got Kenyon Drake as a backup. That dude's electric. That yeah. dude's fast. He's a threat. But leading the way is Josh Jacobs. Q, I, I've been big on Josh Jacobs for, for, for a while now. I love picking him up in my fantasy leagues. But it seems to me like he doesn't get the kind of respect that other, you know, really talented backs do in the NFL. Do you see it that way? Or do you feel like he it's, he, he still has to prove some more before he's starting to get in some of those bigger running back conversations? You know, I think the only thing Josh Jacobs needs to prove is he can stay healthy throughout the course of the season. He hasn't completed a full season yet. His rookie year, he didn't get rookie of the year. He should have, but Kyler Murray got that. And I think he didn't get that because he only played in 13 games. And last year, he only played in, you know, about 13 or 14 games as well. Uh, just He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and the offensive line wasn't that great last year, so he kind of regressed a little bit. But with that being said, he still had over 1,000 yards the first two seasons uh, in the league. So uh, that's a good start to his career. I think he needs to have a, a, a few more explosive plays. He didn't have any of the breakaway like 20 plus yard plays and um, you know he's not the fastest dude in the world so I don't think he gets that much attention but the dude could play man he's exciting playmaker and Kenyon Drake I think uh, that's going to keep Jacobs fresh longer and that could be a really nasty one-two punch what John Gruden wants to do is what Kevin Stefanski is doing in Cleveland he wants to have Nick Chubb he wants to have Kareem Hunt he wants to be able to have uh, opportunities whenever Whoever's on the field, that dude can get it done. And then put them both on the field at the same time and really make some mismatches for opposing defenses. So I'm expecting big things out of those two guys as long as they stay healthy, which is always the caveat for anyone in the NFL. But, uh, man, you got 1A and and 1B as far as starters go in that backfield. That could be a nasty little combination. Certainly could be. We will keep an eye on that here on the Locked On NFL podcast as well, on the Locked On Raiders podcast with Q, uh, with their offense goal. We, we asked a bunch of offensive questions. I want to switch to defense in this next segment because there's I got some I got some like pertinent questions for the, for the Raiders defense. So do the Raiders. <laughs> Certainly, we'll get to those. But first, we got to talk to our friends at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for over 20 years. All you got to do is go to RockAuto.com, check for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. Engine control parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. If you need carpet in your car, they got it. Doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. Everything you need is a few easy clicks away, and the parts are delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly check all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brands. You choose the specifications, and most importantly, the prices you prefer. That's right. The prices at rockauto.com are super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Right now, go to rockauto.com, check out all the parts available for your car or truck, and while you're there, there's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? Right, Locked On NFL. That's how they know that myself and Chris sent you, and we're doing our job. Great selection, great low prices. All the parts your car is ever going to need is at rockauto.com. 
We also want to let you know about Built Bar. Built Bar is something we've been telling you about for a very, very, very long time. Nine delicious flavors right now. And, of course, occasionally they've got that limited time flavor. You just got to check the website early and often to see which one is up next. But right now there's nine delicious flavors to choose from. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Basically, there's something for everyone. I'm a coconut almond guy. I'm not even sure why, but I do like coconut almond a lot, and that might be the one you like, or maybe you like salted caramel, or maybe you like mint brownie. I don't know what it is. Either way, maybe you want a box of all of those, and you can get a mixed box. I'll give you two of each bars, 18 total bars, 100% covered in chocolate. They're softer, easy to chew, and most importantly, they're good for you. So you get a great taste and snack that's good for you. Go figure, right? Yeah, they got it. BuiltBar.com. When you check out, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your order. So check this out. Great taste and protein bar. I'm going to get you a snack that tastes great. I'm going to get you a snack that tastes great, and it's good for you. And I'm going to get you a snack that tastes great, it's good for you, and I'm going to save you money at the same damn time. That's how we get down. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Segment number three, part two of the Raiders preview is coming up next. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here on the Locked On NFL podcast, Chris Carter with your boy Q, wrapping up our Friday show here this week on June 25th. So, Q, Raiders defense. What's up with him? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the big elephant in the room. You know, I mean, we started off this whole conversation talking about Derek Carr and a lot of people talk about the quarterback position. But really, the big elephant in the room, the Achilles heel for the Raiders is that defense. They went eight and eight in 2020 and had a terrible defense, like ranked 32nd in the league. They gave up 30 points a game and they still found a way to go eight and eight. So you actually got to give the offense a lot of credit for being able to pull a rabbit out the hat. With that being said, they shouldn't have to do that. So. Gus Bradley's been hired as the new defensive coordinator. He comes over from the Chargers. He's been longtime defensive coordinator in the league. Of course, everyone remembers him from Seattle as a, a you know architect of the Legion of Boom. Him and Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn's now in Dallas. But uh, you know he he was a head coach in Jacksonville. They were good for a little while when they called him Saxonville. Then they kind of fell off. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. I think he's a much better defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. Uh, Gruden has a lot of familiarity with him going back to his days at Tampa Bay. So I think Gus Bradley really has been the biggest addition for the Raiders defense just because he's going to try to get these guys to play fast. This is the way he, he, he put it. He, his motto during OTAs and mandatory minicamp was fast, physical, ball out. And what he means by that is that's how you play. You play fast, you play physical, and when the ball's in the air, you go get it. Or when the ball's in the ball carrier's hand, you go get it. You're trying to get that ball out. So that's the three themes for the Raiders this upcoming season. Fast, physical, ball out. And he's trying to use that as like muscle memory so they don't have to think. Last year under Paul Gunther, you could see guys like Corey Littleton, guys like uh, Damon Arnett, guys like Trayvon Mullen. You could see them thinking. Jonathan Abram, you could see them thinking. It's big years for a lot of young guys on that Raiders defense. They've got to go out there and show that they can be the dude. They could be what they were drafted to be or they were signed to be. But they were thinking. So a thinking man is a slow man. I mean, it's just like anything. If I'm thinking about what I'm talking about, I'm not going to be as, as fluid. I'm not going to be as good at what I do. But if I could just go, 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 it's all good. That's the same thing with these players, man. They've got to be able to just muscle memory and boom, go get it. So that's what he's trying to do is get these guys just to not think, just go play. 
That will be one of the biggest keys. They've got to clean that up, man. They, there's no way they can give up 30 points a game and think that they're going to make the playoffs. Not in the AFC West. Hell, not in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and like you said, it, it's got to come second nature to you. Yep. It's got to be to the point where you're when you see it, you're not thinking, oh, that's this, so yep. I got to do this. You're reacting. Your bo- your whole body knows what that means yep. and, and, is, and is reacting to it before your brain is forming the words to, do, to, to communicate it to, to anyone else. Um, so that's definitely a concern here. But one of my biggest concerns for any team when I look at the roster, at a roster is can you rush the quarterback? Yeah. Can you create pressure? Now, I know they went and got Yannick Ngakwe, but I'm sorry, Q, to this day, I, w- I will not understand the, when they drafted Cleveland Farrell where they did. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to say that. And I, I was at the draft when they made that that pick, and there was a bunch of different guys in a bunch of different directions I thought they were going to go. I really wanted him to go get Quentin Williams, but he got picked number three overall by the Jets right before the Raiders. Well, the Raiders went and got Cleve Farrell. They said that that was their guy. They really kind of wanted to trade back to around 11 and 12 and go get him, but they said they didn't have a good offer. So they went, and the one thing I learned about the Raiders it, they'll go get their guy that they want. They don't care if it's at number four or number 44. They're going to go get him. Cleve Farrell is actually a really good player, but when you draft him at number four, you're expecting a guy who's yeah. going to get you eight to ten sacks a season. You're going to expect a guy who's going to be a difference maker, and he is against the run. I mean, he's really good. When he was out in 2020, you could see that the Raiders did had no idea how to set the edge. They had no idea how to contain the runner. It was bad. But, again, when you get drafted number four, you're not just supposed to contain the runner. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be getting to the quarterback. So that's the next step for Cleve Farrell is to go in – find a way to put another uh, tool on his tool belt and be able to get to the quarterback. But Ngakwe coming in, I'm excited about him. He, he's an 8-10 to 10 sack guy this season. You know that. Max Crosby on the other side, he's an 8-10 to 10 sack. He's got 17 sacks in two seasons in the league as a fourth-round draft pick. I mean, he's a good player. So if you get 10 sacks from Ngakwe, you get 10 sacks from Crosby, you already got 20, and you only had 21 sacks all of 2020 from your defensive line. So, I mean, that's already a plus. Now you're hoping that a couple other guys can step up and give you four here, five here, three here, four here. And then you're looking up thinking, damn, we're cooking with grease. We're actually a pretty good defense now. We're opposed to last year, like I said, 21 sacks from the defensive line. That's not going to cut it. No, yeah, you got to be able to generate pressure. You got to be able to force the quarterback out of the pocket. Doing that better does a lot. Um and I, it's it's something that I think is highly underrated. You know, it's something it's something where the all the Steelers' great defenses they could get after the quarterback. That's kind of where they're they they've built their resurged resurgence of a defense in uh, in, in in these years. So um, really interested interested to see how the Raiders try to build this up. Um, real quick, you mentioned the linebackers and the coaching, and you know, know knowing where things are going to be second nature. One of the sayings that I, I hear a lot on podcasts and talk shows about football is that it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Yeah. And is this like you mentioned hesitancy? You mentioned all the things that they didn't do right. But is it a simple matter of, hey, we're just that much more comfortable and we'll become, you know, key linebackers in the NFL? Or is it going to be like, uh oh? We we got we got to take this step by step and be very careful. Well, you know that, that's a great question. It really is, and 
I thought going into the draft, the Raiders needed to go out there and try to get maybe a Micah Parsons if he fell to him or go out and get a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo if he fell to him, you know, because I thought they needed an alpha dog at that linebacker position. But uh, Gus Bradley feels like they have that guy. They feel like Corey Littleton is that guy. Nick Kwiatkowski could be that guy. Nicholas Morrow could be that guy. But he thinks that just with his scheme and the way that they're going to coach him up and make it, again, like second nature, he feels like he could be that player. And to Corey Littleton's credit, he was a hell of a player when he was with the Rams and the Raiders went ahead and gave him a free agent contract. I mean, this dude worked his way up from an undrafted free agent to a special teamer, to a starter, to a free agent that made big-time money uh, with the Raiders. And so uh, I think that Corey wants more for himself. I think he's going to go out there and show that what he's worth. And it's just going to be kind of one of those situations you got to monitor and see how it goes. I'm not sure. One little nugget that I'll put in in, in this and, and think that this is going to be an X factor for the Raiders' defense is Jonathan Abram, who's going into year three of his, uh, his rookie deal, which is a big deal because at this time next year, the Raiders are going to be deciding if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option or not. But he has been playing, you know, that back-end safety and – and in Gus Bradley's defense, he's going to play more of that Cam Chancellor role where he's going to be up there in the box. I think that's going to really help the Raiders out in a major way. I think you're going to see a little Jamal Adams light. You know, I'm not going to put him in Jamal Adams category because I think he's an elite defender, especially getting after the, the quarterback. I mean, he's getting, what, nine or ten sacks a, a season. I don't think Jonathan Abram's going to do that. But going back again to what I was saying, if you can get four or five sacks out of him, because he's playing in a role where he's more comfortable, that's just going to help your overall defense. So uh, I think with Gus Bradley, the scheme that he's bringing in, he's implementing, and and looking at the personnel and saying, how does this guy, what makes him tick? What makes him good? Oh, let me put him in this position to succeed. I think Jonathan Abram could be an X factor in this Gus Bradley defense, and it will help out with the linebackers. It will help out with the defensive line. It will help out with the, uh, the the corners and the safeties because it's just an added player in the box that opposing offense has got to uh, prepare for. Yeah, that, that, that's certainly going to have to be something that, get, that gets calculated there. I know you talked about the, um, about, well, the secondary a little bit there, but I wanted to get your sense. They, they drafted Trayvon Mulrick a guy who was projected to go in the first round by many, but it looks like there's a lot of questions in the secondary. You know, you, know, you get, you, you're hoping Jonathan Abram, Abram does, does contribute. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, question marks with the Steelers offensive line. I see a lot more question marks on this, on this defensive roster than I see answers to, to, to those problems. What's, what's your standing on the importance of getting this secondary together to keep the team together like is is that something that's going to be necessary or is this something that like you know what hey if that pass rush gets generated you don't generally you don't need elite coverage guys you just need guys to take advantage of when big mistakes are made yeah i think the pass rush is going to help a lot obviously uh but i i do think that outside of one position as far as the secondary goes i think that the cornerback position across from Trayvon Mullen is really the only one that's up in the air. The Raiders brought in Casey Hayward, the old Wiley veteran. He's been in Gus Bradley's defense for a long time, uh, comes over from the Chargers. He's going to compete with Damon Arnett, who was a first-round draft pick just a year mm-hmm. ago, number 19 mm-hmm. overall out of, uh, uh, over, out of Ohio State. They're going to compete for that position. Uh, Damon Arnett was giving it at, at, coming out of training camp last year, and I don't think he was ready. Casey Hayward's going to push him until there ain't no more push left in him. One of those two guys is going to earn that job, and whoever does, great. I think that's going to be good in training camp. You know, may the best man win. Merrick, like you mentioned, I've already penciled him in, and, and I, I have no problem saying it to the whole world. I don't care. I got him penciled in as Defensive Rookie of the Year 2021. I, I just I, I think Merrick is that good. He's a ball hawk. He's going to be – I mentioned Jonathan Abram. He, he's – 
he's going to be or have an opportunity to be that Earl Thomas. As Jonathan Abram is going to be Cam Chancellor in, in Gus Bradley's defense, he's got an opportunity to be that Earl Thomas, a guy that can be the eraser on the back end for, for guys that do make mistakes and go in and, and, and make plays. Go make plays on the ball. Create some turnovers. The Raiders are really bad at creating turnovers. They haven't had a ball hawking safety in the back end since Reggie Nelson. And Reggie Nelson was old. But the one thing Reggie Nelson could do, he can, he can intercept the ball. He had a knack for getting the ball. Now, he had a knack for getting burned, too. But when he had, when he had his opportunity to get his hands on the ball, he would make it happen. So um, I think that, that Merrick is a young dude, and he's going to have an opportunity to really thrive in this Gus Bradley defense. So I, I got him penciled in as defensive rookie of the year, and uh, I think that that just helps the whole defense get better. So the one, the one question mark I'd say is watch out for that corner position. Is it going to be Casey Hayward? Is it going to be Damon Arnett? Who's going to be the starter there? Who's going to get the first crack at it? And then you go from there. But Trayvon Mullins got one side locked down. Abram's going to be Cam Chancellor. Trayvon Merrick's going to be Earl Thomas. And, and I'm not saying that that's the quality player, but that's the role that they'll play. And then who knows at that other cornerback position, but that'll be a good training camp battle. It certainly will be. We will be reporting all about that all here on the Locked On Podcast, as well as all training camp battles with our individual shows and then how things start to shake up here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Q, that's our time for this show this week. Thanks so much for running it down on the Locked On on, on your Raiders Y'all check him out with his Locked On Raiders podcast. He be killing it every week, and he's get he's getting it he's getting it busy there. Um, so cute. Thanks again for doing this show with me. It's always it's always fun. Please let me please let people know where they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, man, it's always on Twitter, man. I'm not I'm not an Instagram dude. I'm not that TikTok guy. I'm I'm just a Twitter dude. At your boy Q two five four, you can find me. I put out a link to the show each and every day. I have it up early in the morning, so no matter what time you in the car, maybe heading to work, you could always pop that thing on. Uh, Locked On Raiders podcast. Also, if you're a gambler, I do Locked On Bets with uh, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He does a great job as well. Both of those shows are always up early in the morning. And I mentioned TikTok and Instagram. I know, Chris, you got that covered like an old school Jimmy hat. Let them know where you can get your, uh, your, your information and your work from. Follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques, same handle for Instagram for all you, for all my Steelers takes and needs. Also NFL, I do some basketball and general sports as well. Been uh, been intrigued by these NBA playoffs. Yeah. it's been a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, not that not that it's ever not fun to watch, but you know it's been it's been particularly exciting. Uh, but if you want to read my work, go to dkpittsburghsports.com. That's where I write about the Steelers, pit football, pit basketball, NFL draft, analysis, film studies. Uh, if you want to know who Trey Turner is, I've got a couple pieces up about him. So you can go there and check out my work there. But as always, you can subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast the same way you subscribe to this podcast and to Locked On Raiders. Just go to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the app Odyssey. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. And you can download our, 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 our all of our podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying any of them, rate them five stars. Leave us positive comments. Those things go a long way to helping out the shows. From Chris and Q, have a happy weekend. We will see you next week.